I just love being in the kitchen and put the pump of service, the drive, the creative um, energies of people, everyone in the kitchen who, you know, are all in the same wavelength of producing this beautiful food and making customers smile. It's just where I thrive. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Over the last two years, we've seen many hospitality professionals leave the big cities for a tree change and immerse themselves in the regional dining scenes across the country. But there are some that made the move long before this recent upheaval in all our lives. What's the lure for a tree change and what challenges and benefits does it pose? Carla Jones is the co-owner of Hilltop Store in Sawtell, New South Wales, Carla, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, Huck. How are you? I'm good. It's good to catch up with you. It's been a long time, but you you left Sydney um, many years ago, almost five or six years ago, to move to Sawtell. What what triggered that move? Um, There was a few factors. I guess the main one was um, family for me. I'd had my first child maybe six months before the move, so I had Huddy in January and I think we'd moved by living back in Coffs by September with a little bit of traveling there. And yeah, he was a big, he was a big reason for the change. Um, life dramatically gets different after a little baby's involved and Sydney was hard. I didn't have much family around and every time I'd come to visit Sawtell, like at that stage, both my sisters had moved home with their kids Um I've got a twin sister who's got three kids and then whenever I came home I saw her raising her family here in Sawtell with like the grandparents' support and she was also running a business and it all just worked seamlessly and I'm like, oh, that looks way easier. <laughs> and then I had to convince my husband to, that small town living wasn't, you know, that bad. <laughs> <laughs> How hard was it to find a, a site that suited um, a means for your family? Um, it wasn't too hard. We, I'd always had my, my eyes set on the hilltop where we've got now. Even as a kid, I loved the site. Like it's an old weatherboard building just on the hill outside of the main street. So it kind of is like a slightly iconic vibe around it and everyone in the town knows it. But we did look at a few different sites um, beforehand because it w- wasn't available then, the restaurant we wanted. When we moved back, it was the hilltop back then was a Chinese restaurant, which is still there. It's two occupancy site and a yoga studio. And we approached the, the the lovely Chinese couple that had the August Moon restaurant and they weren't ready to retire yet, even though we'd heard they were. So that dream kind of fell through. And then we looked at a few other sites around town and nothing, nothing really worked. And so we just... Like Richie was still working in Sydney at the time. Like he'd fly down to Sydney on Monday and then fly back to Coffs on the Friday, have the weekend with us. And surprisingly that was cheaper than rent in Sydney, flights and rent in Coffs Harbour <laughs> combination. So we made that work for a little while um, and then eventually that got a bit hard for the family life. So he moved back and we got what, some part-time work while we just kept looking for the right site and – the lady who had the small yoga studio kind of offered that space as an option for us. And like we were always had our hearts set on opening a, a dinner restaurant and we thought well, that site was a bit too small and 
for what we had envis- envisaged, but we thought, why don't we take it? Because at least then we're up there and do like a little breakfast, lunch, small little cafe, but still with our, you know, quality of food and knowledge. So we decided to give that a go and a small renovation turned into a massive renovation <laughs> in an old building. But we're, we're there and it's working. We turned four in March. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a dream realised, like, from when I used to sit down in the pub in Sawtell and be like, that's the perfect spot for me one day <laughs> to actually get it. Well, I want to explore what you guys have created there and the, the connections you've created with the local community as well. But you, you grew up in the, in the area. Um, take us back to when you were young. What, what was food like for you and your family? Oh, I wish I had a nicer story. It's not bad. more like eating for survival. Like it was never a celebrated thing. The dinner time was all like just feed the kids and get the job done. And like I love hearing the stories of like chef friends that grew up with, you know, picking their own vegetables and cooking with their mum and dad, but that just wasn't the case for us. We had three young, three girls probably always fighting with each other. <laughs> Dinner time was always when Neighbours was on, so we always were in the, you know, had the oomph at dinner time because you couldn't pause it. You had to, like, turn it off and miss it. <laughs> but um, it was always mum's Mum's a good cook. Um, she always had, like, she was more into baking, so we always had fresh biscuits and fresh cakes stocked in the pantry, sliced for days in the freezer. So that was always, like, really homely and we'd help her cook, her, you know, bake her cakes and lick the bowls and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it wasn't like a big celebration of food growing up. It's more so now we're older and Richie and I have kind of introduced the, the like, love around it, that they're all enjoying it much more. When did you first start getting interested in food and see it as a, as a potential career path? <laughs> um, I do remember that the actual day that I chose to be a chef and I kind of, like, blindly led into it by my mother. <laughs> we were... We were holidaying, um, I remember we were holidaying at Burley Heads and walking along the beach and having that, you know, young teenage discussion, like they might have been 13, about, you know, what you want to do when you grow up. And I was like, I don't know. And all my my mum and my two sisters, they're all hairdressers, and I'm like, I just don't know what I want to do. And mum, we were walking past cafe. She's like, oh, you could work, you know. You like being in the kitchen, you could be a chef, you know, it'd be great. Look at this, by the beach, you could go for a swim on your break and, you know, finish work, go home, get the nighttime TV shows in. I'm like, this this sounds interesting. And I was like, from then on I decided, I was like, yeah, let's do that. I can be a chef. And then when I started to follow it, the love grew much more. However, my life didn't turn out to be daytime swimming and stroll along the beach in the afternoon, more like 16-hour days in the trenches, <laughs> which is just as lovely as walking on the beach. <laughs> well, take us to those early years in your career. What, what were the really important moments that sort of started the career path for you? Um, well, I started, I started cooking when I was 17, so I – Loved it so much that every choice I made during my high school career was to follow hospitality and the tourism sector. So they're all my electives and from the beginning. And I left, I left my high school where I attended 
like I was with my twin sister my whole schooling life and she stayed at one high school and I decided to leave and go to another one because they had um, better cooking facilities and more better programs for the hospitality industry. So I followed that from an early age and I just every every next step I wanted to challenge myself a bit more and I guess I was lucky enough to always have a connection from my job my current job to where I was going next. So I never had a CV. Like I don't think I've ever written a resume or a CV. I've just known someone who's worked in the next place and been lucky enough to land a job whenever I've shown up there. (laughs) Yeah. But I remember um, one of the first um, gentlemen I worked with who owned the restaurant here in Coffs, it's no longer here, Um, he, uh, he said, always try to take the next step and challenge yourself a little bit more and never try never to go backwards. So I kind of followed that philosophy through my career. Well, that theory of never going backwards, that led you to Sydney and you worked in some incredible restaurants as well as opening an incredible award-winning restaurant as well of your own. What was it like that period of time moving to Sydney and immersing yourself in that uh, restaurant scene? Yeah, well, I kind of took stepping stones to Sydney. I moved from Coffs to Brisbane for a little while, which kind of I think maybe it was a bit more of a country town Brisbane back then, back in, I don't know, 2002, I think I moved up there. Um, So I I finished my apprenticeship up in Brisbane and and then felt more confident to move to Sydney and work in some finer establishments. Um, But, yeah, my reason to moving to Sydney, I guess, was I'd finished my apprenticeship and I was at a place called Urbane in Brisbane. And I wanted to – I always dreamt of owning my own place one day and I wanted to learn, like, all aspects of the kitchen and I hadn't done much um, pastry work. And there wasn't many places in Brisbane, except for like big hotels that had pastry sections that I could go and like spend, I wanted to spend two years learning from, you know, a great pastry chef and getting those skills under my belt for eventually running a place. So I decided to, that's what made me decide to move to Sydney. So I packed up and I luckily had met a chef at Urbane. He was just helping us out for a few weeks who knew Matt Moran. So he gave Matt's mobile number. Probably should have got permission to give me Matt's mobile number, but he didn't. (laughs) And I got to Sydney and I gave him a buzz and, yeah, organised organised a trial. I had to clean myself up, though. I was like, if I'm moving to Sydney to go to ARIA, I was like in a little hippie phase, had dreadlocks and piercings. Not sure he's going to hire me, (laughs) so I shaved my head and (laughs) headed on down. Dressed up all smart-like and went for an interview. Yeah, that's a while ago. Well, tell us about uh, what happened after that interview. You, you ended up spending time at, at ARIA. Well, what was it like in that kitchen? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and that's one of my, like, favourite moments in my career was working with Andy Honeyset, the pastry chef there. Um, he is an incredible man, not just his like skills as a pastry chef, but the fact that he is completely deaf and you work with this man who understands you just by how you work and your body language and was absolutely incredible. Like he was a massive team area and like, I think there was like 20 something chefs. I've never worked in that kind of environment before. It was always like small teams 
And I just, Andy was actually the first person who told me I'd never make it and I should go back to RSL in Sawtell. <laughs> and I was like determined to prove him wrong. So he like, yeah, he challenged me the most, but we became great friends after that. Um, that comment eventually we became best friends. But the way he could understand the whole kitchen environment, not being able to hear anything was amazing. Like he could feel the vibe. He knew as soon as it had changed tempo, like, yeah, it was incredible. What did you take from, from that experience working with such a big brigade uh, in Sydney at that sort of stage in your career? Um, it was, yeah, it was much different to anything I'd ever done before. I was in those bigger kitchens. The pastry second drawer is always kind of a little bit separate. So you have your own little workspace, your own oven, and every now and then someone comes to try to use it and you got to have a fight with them. Um, but it was, it was a challenge not to name many names. Richie was one of them. Um, we, it was a challenge to, um, I guess, fit in as well. There's so many different personalities and um, different styles of working with each other and to find, yeah, how to read people and, you know, I guess get along with so many, um, you know, personalities and make it work is quite um amazing that a head chef can bring them all together and make them work as a team, even though some of them don't like each other. You also had a, um, formed an incredible working relationship with Colin Fasnage over many years. How did, how did that begin? Um, he, I applied for a job. It was um, back in the four in hand before it was renovated. It was like old school ghetto four in hand kitchen. Um, and I just recently moved back from London about, uh, when was it, 2009, I would have moved back. And I was just before Christmas, it was around October time, and I was like, I'll, I'll start looking for jobs. I sent a few emails out and just kind of gave them a brief rundown of where I was, where I'd come from, um, that I just moved back home to Sydney and was looking for work. And I remember I got an email from Colin saying, sorry, we're quite – we're fully, you know, staffed here at the moment, but we'll keep your name on file. And that was one day. And the next day it was like, actually, we've got a job now, <laughs> which I understand much more now working with Colin. <laughs> Turnover of stuff. Um, so I was lucky enough that, yeah, it didn't take me long to find that connection with Colin. And I was like, I've heard great things about the four in hand and what they were doing. Um, but in my mindset coming from London and I was just been working in, um, you know, some Michelin star places. I was like, oh, I just really needed a job. And I was like, oh, I wasn't sure if being in a pub environment was what I wanted, but I was like, oh, I'll do this. I'll see it through Christmas was my plan. And once I started working there, I realised what um, what a great team it was, an environment, and it wasn't just um, working with friends anymore. They became like family to me like quite quickly. Colin and Jane and the other chefs there because it was nice to be back in a small team again on, as opposed to those big brigades. And I ended up not leaving and staying there because the food was incredible. Colin was tough but fair and we got along really well and I th think we ended up working together for about seven years after that, after my, yeah, so-called Christmas stint. <laughs> 
I, I want to explore what you did with Colin after that uh, with 414, but um, you mentioned London and the Michelin star restaurants. Tell us a little bit about that period of time. What, what did you take from the experiences of the restaurants over there? Um, they were tough, but at, at the right age, they are fun and your body can take a lot at that age. Um, I don't think I saw the sun for a month on end. Like I'd start work. I'd start work at, so I was still doing my, was the first six months there. I was still within my two years of doing my pastry. So the pastry chefs start work the same time as everyone else, but they finish later than everyone else. So yeah, I'd be going to work, hopping on the tube at like 7.30 in the morning or seven o'clock in the morning to be at work by seven thirty in the morning. It's pitch black, obviously it's London and there's no sun at that time. And then yeah, you finish work. You were lucky enough if you got the last tube, but that's at midnight. So a lot of the time you're you know, on the night buses and you just don't see the sun. And you're just stuck in this like small not 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 small rooms, but like dark rooms with like a bunch of blokes where you don't see the sun and you don't know what time it is. <laughs> It was it was hard work, yeah, very hard work, but fun. I mentioned um, four fourteen. T- tell us about uh, the beginnings of that and, and what you created there with Colin and Jane. Oh, uh, it was the first the first restaurant I've ever been a part of opening from the beginning, and yeah, it was such an eye opening experience. Just all the decisions that go into setting up a restaurant and. Like I was just one piece of the of um, big puzzle that owned it. Um, so, yeah, I I just helped. I guess Colin designed the kitchen and um, figure out what we wanted to do. And like we were still we we're very set on the our style of cooking, the nose to tail, and using secondary cuts and that kind of stuff. We were definitely going to do, but make it a bit less formal as the, as the four in hand. Yeah, it was and it was a great experience. I remember just having pictures stuck on the wall. It was all before Pinterest, I think, and you know, you cut out magazines, pictures and figure out your big design and then the building of it. It's like it was yeah, big learning curve. That's for sure. What did you love about the experience that you had of creating sort of and being part of your your own restaurant for the first time? Oh, you 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 definitely keep more of an eye on what's happening in your kitchen, um, like your wastage and what other chefs are trimming off vegetables that could be used because you know that you've paid money for that and it's your money. <laughs> um, and Colin was always um, good for teaching that kind of stuff. But he, we still had the four in hand then, well, he still had the four in hand then with Joe. He wasn't around as much, so I was tasked with doing his job and being not not a, he wasn't a bully. I'm not going to use the bully word, but being stern and um, you know making sure the chefs are following what you want to follow. And that's something I was never great at doing. Like I was never good at confrontation, and so I learned a lot about keeping chefs in line and what you know what we were expected of them to make sure they were executing it and. Is, is being them respecting me at the same time. Yeah, that was a learning curve. 
these days you have the Hilltop store and you originally wanted it to be a nighttime restaurant or the idea of a nighttime restaurant in that region. What was the difficulties and challenges of creating that daytime venue given you and uh, your husband Richie had worked in sort of restaurants all your career? Um, It's a different style of cooking. Obviously, you're still sourcing the best ingredients and and making your own sauces and which, you know, sets you apart from the other cafes. And we've got, I know, a really good following now. Um, but I, the challenges with, like, sourcing some of the products are a bit of a challenge up here, to be honest. Like, you think it's a great coastal town, but then back then, like five years ago, it was hard to just get the fish from the co-op straight to us. It normally travelled down to Sydney and then you'd get it back on another and it's all changed now. There's a lot more uh, beautiful restaurants that have opened up and are, you know, creating change for everyone, which is great. Um, but, yeah, challenging, yeah, sourcing some products was a big challenge. Also working with your husband for the first time was a big challenge. <laughs> well, tell, a bit, a bit of, tell us a bit about that because um, both Richie and yourself are award-winning chefs in amazing restaurants in Sydney and then working together in a business. How do you, how do you manage uh, the creativity and the business side of things in that context? Um, the creativity is not hard to manage. We, love, we both love to sit down and, and flick through all of our hundreds of cookbooks and just see something like and, you know, I'll go, oh, this would be great with, you know, Napa dish or, you know, just throwing ideas around. So, so that's great. We've got the time to do that at night time and whenever the kids go to bed, we can, you know, create together. And it's never been a hassle. We've never fought over something or we've always, you know, the ideas seem to flow together. Um, the business is hard, like a bit harder. Richie... I guess, takes the reins in the business sense of things and he's very into the controlling the accounts and that kind of stuff, which I'm happy for him to do because I'm pretty hopeless with numbers. And I, I take control with the children. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's great. It's worked out well. Um, it was a bit nervous. I was a bit nervous, you know, going into business with your with your partner and not knowing if it's going to work or, if it could be complicated, but thankfully we've it's been smooth sailing since day one. Tell us about the local community. Was it difficult at first to um, connect with the local community or were you sort of accepted quite easily? Oh, we were very lucky to be accepted quite quickly. And I guess growing up here, that's being an old local helped because I, they are a tough crowd if you're not from here. They are very you know, setting their ways and some restaurants have opened and not thrived because they've been out of towners, I guess, a little bit. So I was lucky enough to have, you know, my 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 crew from school still live here, so they obviously help the, help the cafe thrive. And, yeah, so we were pretty, we were pretty lucky in that aspect. Um, the customers are incredible, the local people. Like I get why some people don't like small town living and people always knowing your business as such and being involved, but they're also there when you need them and support you in the hard times, especially these last couple of years going through, you know, restrictions and lockdowns and this roller coaster of COVID. The 
we wouldn't have survived without our local customers and the community here being in a small town. There's no way. What sort of impact has this um, big tree change had on, on you um, and your and your career and, and life? Has it, has it had a big impact, the move from sort of the hustle and bustle of Sydney back to the region you grew up in? Yeah, it's, I feel a little bit out of the industry um, sometimes. I feel like, oh, you know, that was the old us in the big circles running hospitality circles in Sydney and then something happens up here where, you know, someone walks into the cafe from your old life. Like we've had Troy Rhodes from you stops in on his way up and it certainly you know, shocks you and then um, Nino from Pendolino pops in with his family and you're just like, oh, these people actually remember us. <laughs> and it just blows my mind when that happens and I just feel so humble that, you know, that people are still making the effort to to stop into Sawtell off the, on their travels north, and yeah, we're very lucky to still be part of part of the big hospitality industry, but also a little bit separate from it. What do you love about what you do? Ah, uh, everything. I I just love being in the kitchen and the 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 pump of service, the drive, the create the creative um, energies of pe- everyone in the kitchen who, you know, are all in the same wavelength of, you know, producing this beautiful food and making customers smile. It's just where I thrive. Like I joke with our customers and they're like, oh, another day at work. I'm like, no, this is my day off. <laughs> I consider my work days my days off. <laughs> my days at work are the ones home alone with the kids. <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's my happy place. The last few years have been challenging for so many in the industry. Uh, have there been positives to come out of it? And, and how are you feeling about the year ahead? Oh, I'm a bit nervous about the year ahead. Just the way it's starting has been probably the hardest part of this COVID coaster. Um, it's just the unknown, I guess. You think it's going to get better and it just doesn't yet with lots of people getting sick now up here like we were quite removed like we had to follow all the restrictions but we never had many cases in Sawtell so it was quite easy to still go about and go and get your coffees and not worry about you know catching COVID because you knew there was no cases here still have to follow all the restrictions and everything but you knew you're safe whereas I think nowadays with so many people being sick like it's it's gone through our restaurant like wildfire and then it kind of a lot of people I guess were a bit more frightened to go out who are you know that really don't want to catch it more frightened to go out and get their morning coffees and don't want to be around anybody and it's just yeah it's been a harder harder start to the year than I pictured that's for sure so who knows what the year's gonna hold it's quite nerve-wracking but um thankfully we've yeah we've survived so far and We've got some, you know, experiences under our belt from the last couple of years to know, you know, if we need to change our model in the restaurant again. And like we've just, at the moment, we're just doing takeaway only just to get staff levels and people off sick and be able to cover the seven days of opening. So we've just shut it down and doing takeaway only. We're hoping to open up again this weekend to in-house dining and we've got all our staff back to health, which Touchwood is the last, last wave for a while. Regional dining has really boomed in the last 
um, decade and as someone that's made a, a success of that that tree change, what, what sort of advice would you have for professionals looking to get out of the cities and and have their career in a regional destination? Oh, just do it. It's great. Don't take it. It's a great lifestyle. Come up, get a job. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pace of life. It's just like what my mum sold me on when I was a teenager. <laughs> Afternoon swims. Uh, no, it's a it's a good choice, but yeah, you have to you have to want to do it. It is, um, yeah, it's small towns moving to a small town, not being from there, might be challenging for some people, but it's definitely um, worked for us. Well, Carla, as always, it's amazing to catch up with you and hear just a bit of your story. Congratulations on what you've built in Sawtell and um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Huck. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.